Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley with uh, Wilfred back after a month hiatus. How you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. You've um, kept your run up the ranks going pretty solidly, which is good to say. Yeah, it's been a good, uh, yeah, about a month or so. Uh, I complain. Snuck into the top 200 now. Um, so hopefully um, we'll stay there and keep moving up. No, uh, that's, that's great. We're around 17, though. <laughs> Oh, that's a fantastic effort, mate. Top 200 is fantastic at this point, especially if you're going to hit round 17 hard. Um, that should make you feel a little bit better about uh, State of Origin, maybe? Yeah, I try not to think about it too much. I mean, we'll, we'll, it was always inevitable um, we're going to have a loss, especially, you know, losing basically the spine from last year um, in one hit. Um, but, yeah, probably it's just disappointing how we lost, I think. You know, Queensland probably should have won last night. But, you know, just like Queensland have done to the Blues so many times, sorry, not last night, Sunday night, you know, so many times um, they've just kind of stolen a game, which they shouldn't have won. I think the Blues did one back to Queensland last night, um, on Sunday. Yeah, it was, um, I think we were talking online about, the, we're thinking the same thing, the Queensland kicking game um, really, oh, let, really let you down. <laughs> I mean, even Ben Hunt's copped a lot of it, but some of Munster's kicks weren't very good either. I, I think, as a whole, your halves, the combination of the six and seven display just was one of the worst I've seen at Origin level. Um, and I don't think that, yeah. I don't think they're bad players. Um, like Hunt's, it's probably gotten Hunt played really badly, but it's probably gotten overboard now on how much he's copping because. I mean, really, between the the nine, six, and seven, none of them kicked well or ran that team very well. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, Hunt has a better kicking game than Munster, so why wasn't he kicking? That's what I don't get. Munster <laughs> had the ball on the fifth so often. And, I mean, he kicked that one backwards, you know, two metres, kicking across field, and then I was like, surely Hunt just takes every kick from now on, but Munster took the next five, and I'm just like, where is he? <laughs> yeah, blew my mind. But, you know, classic Ben Hunt <laughs> disappears when the when the pressure's on. You know what's going to happen now. He's going to turn out for the Dragons on Friday night. He probably He's going will. to absolutely carve <laughs> he, up. He probably will. <laughs> That's all right, though. I like, I, I'm, you know, a lot of people have said I'm just a bit of a Broncos fan who's sad he's left. I mean, he's my second favourite Broncos half ever behind Alfie. Um, not a, like a halfback, I mean. So I, I bear no ill will towards Ben Hunt. I just know that he hasn't turned up when the pressure's down. So. Yeah, that's a pretty fair call. I think um, I think that he might be very lucky to keep his spot for Game Three. But we'll move on from Origin. Um, obviously, this is the big five trade week for everyone to get their teams right for Round Seventeen. The one that everyone's had marked in their Supercoach calendars right from the beginning because it's a big change from the, the previous years. Um, I'm going all out for, for round 17. I'll be making all five of my trades and I don't really know how anyone could not be making all five of their trades. I'm assuming that you are as well. Yeah, um, got, I've got four locked in and the five is waiting to be used. I just don't know which one. Like That's the only thing I'm holding, holding me back. I don't know who to get, which sometimes 
in Supercoach, when you don't know who to get, maybe just save the trade and where to eat. It's often uh, a good answer. So I'm definitely using four. I'm most likely using five. I just got to make a decision on who the fifth trade will be for. Yeah, and uh, I'm um, I'm in the opposite boat where I've got too many guys I want to buy. So I would like eight trades really, but can't have it all. Well, yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 my indecision because I don't know which one of of you know about five six different guys I want to get. Oh right, okay. So I thought that was I thought your team was so set that you only needed three or four, and you didn't know how to use the other trade. Well, um, no, yeah, I've got I've got four marked down. I just like I'm torn between three or four different options with my fifth trade. So that's why I'm I'm, I'm paralyzed with indecision. Well, that's going to be good because that goes straight into our market watch now talking about yin, so um, we can both help each other out making up our minds. Um, Sounds good. So this week in market watch, guys, we're, um, we're not going to do too many of the outs, um, but we'll touch on a few, mainly ins because um, the ins are the important thing now, and like I said, I'd be using all five of my trades. Uh, and we're going to talk about quite a few guys, not just the guys that are in the most traded in because um, there's a whole heap of guys not in the most trading in that are worthy of discussion for trading this week. Uh, and one of the guys that um, is on the most trading list, so, uh, is Joe Tappany, who has warranted a lot of discussion probably the last two weeks because he turned up a couple of weeks ago. Um, so Tappany's been traded in by 3% of coaches at the moment. He's a dual second row, front row forward, which makes him even more appealing Unfortunately, because he did turn up, he's gone up to 574k now, which is really, really annoying. Um, Wilfred, I started off with with Tappany, which I spoke to you about right at the start of the season, and I was really happy with him. And then he had that busted thumb, and I just had to get rid of him. Um, but he looked pretty good early. Since he's come back, um, he's averaged uh, 47 points in base over the last uh, month, and He's looked pretty good playing 80 minutes. Is he someone who's in your plans or you're tempted by? He's one of the, the options which I'm paralysed with indecision about. I definitely, um, yeah, you know, you've made really good points about why he's attractive in that he's, he's up to his base. Obviously, he plays for the Raiders and now they've got Hodgson back. So there's a lot of pros to it. Um, at the same time, you know, for, for super coach purposes, he's relatively unproven. Um, we don't know how he's going to, you know, can he cope with you know, another 10 rounds of playing 80 minutes on an edge. Um, you know, he's, he's never done that. So that's why it's a bit of a question mark there. But I certainly see the appeal. Um, and, yeah, he's one of my options, which I'm still thinking about. All right. Well, that's a good opportunity for me to try and convince you and um, try and convince myself that that trade-in is a good one for me to make as well. So... At the moment, his numbers look like this. He's averaged 60 a game so far this year, um, which is very good, especially if you've got him at prop. If he's at prop, that 60 a game is very valuable. Um, he's playing 80 minutes and his role seems to be pretty stable. The other thing, too, is that I think that he's got a little bit of upside. Um, so, so far this year, his PPM's only been 0.78. That's the lowest that he's ever had. Um, you know, some of that can be... Um, attributed to um, maybe playing more minutes, but he has played some middle minutes in the past as well. So yes. he's, he's sort of been more around closer to the one or just under the one PPM in the past. And I sort of think that 
Um, you know, he's once he gets rolling, he's probably going to be towards that. But the big thing that I like about him, Wilfred, that's my last point for you, is he's a guy who um, his base isn't outstanding, but it's solid. But if you put if you look at his base base attack, um, it actually becomes really appealing because his TBs, especially, but also his offloads are quite good, and he's sort of reminds me a little bit of almost a Tom Lolo White in the sort of game that he's got. Yeah, look, uh, definitely, um, you know, he passes the eye test and the stats look good. So I certainly can't blame anybody for bringing him in. Uh, I guess, you know, he's, he's definitely got that pod factor as well. His ownership's quite low from memory. So, um, yeah, look, I couldn't blame anybody for grabbing him. I just haven't. I just, yeah, it's, I think it's going to come down for a gut call for me. And right now my gut's not not swaying in his direction just yet. That's fair. Um, one last question before we move on from Big Joe. Do you think the return of Josh Hodgson is going to help him as well? Yeah, look, I definitely think so. I mean, Hodgson, you know, he obviously can direct to play a lot better and he's got incredible vision. Um, so I reckon, you know, if, if anyone can set up, you know, an edge forward for a crash ball near the line, um, I think Hodgson's going to, throw a better pass for a Tarpany steaming onto the ball, crashing over than, you know, Evili or, or Adahingano. <laughs> yep, agreed. Well, let's move on to um, to Tarpany's teammate, Jared Croker. He's He's been trading by 3.3% of teams, um, which puts him third on the list at the moment of most traded in. He's 454k. He's been one of the top centre wings forever because of his goal-kicking floor that it affords him. Um, but he hasn't really been too fantastic this year. Um, a lot of guys are trading him in and starting to get a bit excited about Jared Croker. One thing that we didn't mention with Tarpany is that the Raiders don't have the best drawer in the world, so particularly for mm. attack, they're probably going to struggle a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm not at all interested in, in Croker this year, although I can see why people are. Is he someone that um, you, know, you feel differently about than me? No, no, he hasn't been on my radar all year. Um, I just, the Raiders haven't been going great. And I think that's obviously impacted him, his goal kicks. I think in 2016, I was looking at this earlier, and that was the year where he, he broke the 70 mark in his average, which is the only time he's done that. Um, he was getting about 13, 14 points per game from goal kicks across the season. Yep. Normally, it's, it's you know a, bit, a fair bit lower than that. So I think that's been, you know, that's knocked a good three, four points off his average just from the Raiders not giving as many kicks as goal to him. Um, I guess the the other thing is that he's had Kotrick on his outside and a lot of an effective tactic has been just get the ball to Kotrick and let him do his thing. So Croak has, you know, been happy to shove, you know, shovel it across to him and let him do whatever. Or you've got Wyden cutting cutting out Croker, going straight to Kotrick. Because he's an attacking threat. Whereas in the past, if they went left, it was to Croker and Croker would make stuff happen. So I think, yeah, the fact that Croker's now got a legitimate wing partner who, you know, can be dangerous um, definitely means I can see just overall less attacking stats for Croker himself. Um, so, yeah, he's not he's not on my radar. Um, I can, like, like you said, I can certainly see the appeal. But... I think they're better buyers. Yeah, 100% agree. And just to finish off on some numbers for Croker, prior to last game where he scored 77, he went for two months 
not hitting 60 points and out of that as well. Um, two of those eight games, he didn't even hit 40 points. Um, so if that's not enough to turn you off, then how about the fact that he's got a base stat average of 21 points in base this year? So to me, that's um, it's like you said, there's just far better options. Yeah, I mean, center wing is not a great area this year. And I think Proko could float around the top 10, but he's not going to be top five. I just can't see him being top five. So um, with the Raiders not having a good draw as well, I just kind of think you're better off, you know, chasing the, the potential higher upside of some of the other players. I mean, his, his top score all year has been 77. And Kirk is, in the past, you know, he's always tunned up a few times by now. And that still only gets into a 60 average most, most years. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's all the more reason why I'm thinking, I don't think he's going to, you know, average 60 this year. Be lucky to keep 53 to 55. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's a bit of a segue, but it, it lends itself to some of the other centre wings we're about to talk about. There's going to be some centre wings that we that we chat about tonight who have averaged less than Croker, but you mentioned something important there, which was the upside um, going forward. And this is the other thing as well. You need to look at guys who are going to go better over the next two or, two or three months um, compared to what they had before. Um, so Croker is somebody who very obviously to me has a worse draw than what he's had in the past for the rest of this season and isn't going to go any better than what he has. Whereas uh, someone else that we're going to talk about might have averaged, you know, two or three points less than Croker and might look just as unappealing, but is about to get a good run of games who, who could get some great attacks. So I'd much rather take a punt on a, a high ceiling guy um, than someone like Jared Croker. And that segues really nicely into your Broncos, Wilfred. Um, Corey Oates is a centre wing who's a bit of a higher ceiling guy. Um, I'm really interested in Oates myself. He's not being traded in by many coaches at all at this point. And he's 483k, so he's about 30 grand more expensive, but he's also the dual second row centre wing. Um, and if you take out his injured games, he's actually scored really, really well. But even with those, he's still averaged 52 for the year, so right around where Croker was. Um, but, you know, if you... Um, omit two of his worst scores, which I know isn't the way to do it, but since returning from injury, if you omit omit two of his worst scores, um, he's averaging about 75 points during the last dozen games, which is really, really appealing to me because the Broncos, different than what the Raiders have, are looking at five out of the next eight at home and quite a good draw with the Raiders this week and the Titans the following week. So, I'm all over Oates this week. He's one of my trade-ins. How do you feel about him as a, I guess, as a Broncos fan and also a Supercoach fan? Yeah, look, I've already owned Oates once this year. I um, grabbed him a bit earlier, just um, a week or two before the Broncos had that nice run um, at Suncorp. Didn't, I mean, it worked out decent, but not as great as I'd hoped. Um, and I ended up having to sell him before he leaked cash. I mean, I sold him after he'd made me about 60 grand. I was hoping that it would be a bit higher. Um, the only reason I'm not going to grab him this week is just the, the potential for um, you know him to play game three. I mean, if Holmes or Gagai, one of them gets injured, I think I could see it just slotting straight in. Um, yeah. So that's probably the main reason I'm just going to wait a week. He's also got a 76 break even, so I'm not going to break the bank if he does turn up this week, which he possibly could. 
Um, I think he's up against Michael Oldfield um, in in Rapana's absence. So yeah, and, and plus obviously with BJ um, and Austin on that edge, it's uh, notorious for leaking points down that side. So I could easily see Oates a double this week. I just think I'm gonna I'm happy to wait one week. Um, you know, he might drop in price for you know non-owners are lucky and. You know, it, it'll, it'll ensure that he'll play round 17, which is why one of the main reasons you want to grab him because he'll have that nice matchup against the Titans then as well. Do you get the feeling that um, he could get called in for game three? I mean, Chambers looked really poorly if they wanted to shuffle, you know, a gay guy into the centres or something like that. Do you think that it might happen? I'd be surprised if they did, to be honest. I mean, Chambers, I don't, I don't think he's going to get dropped off the back of one or two ordinary games. Mm. But he's been pretty good for Queensland over the, you know, the past three four years, um, and you know they, there's been a lot of criticism being thrown at Queensland fans or and and Queensland you know players and commentators talking about dropping Hunt and stuff like that. But you know the loyalty usually is to proven performers, and Chambers has proven you know that he's one of the. You know, key performance for the Queensland in that back line for many years now. So I could see him getting you know another run for sure. Whereas you know Ben Hunt, I mean this is this has been his chance to take charge of the team and he hasn't. So him getting dropped for game three with an eye to looking forward you know to next year and, and whatnot, I could see that easily happening. I mean let's talk about Ash Taylor. He's been in better form for the last month. He's also a goal kicker, which obviously that's one of the areas where. With them lost, um, this you know, Holmes didn't kick one from three and kick three from three like Maloney it would have been, you know, golden point or whatever. So you know, there's a lot of things to think about for Kevy. Yeah, I'll um, I'll finish off on some stats on Oates as well because um, one of the things that sold me is um, since he returned to playing in round five um, across all those games, seventy percent of the time he's hit sixty points plus. And also 70% of the time, that's 7 out of 10 games, he's actually scored a try, um, which is a remarkable strike rate. And with the Broncos' um, home run advantage coming up, you'd expect that to be pretty close to continuing. So um, I really like his chances looking at some of those numbers. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I'm very keen to grab him around 17 if he's not playing Origin. I, uh, I might have to grab him this week anyway, just the way that some of my trades and the money actually works out. Um, I'll probably have to do it, but I kind of want to anyway because uh, what you mentioned even got me salivating here listening to it over again on the uh, that edge that he's going to be hitting um, with uh, Oldfield, BJ and Austin. I um, I don't know if I can pass that up anyway for this week. So looking forward yeah, to that. No, no. I, I'm also rethinking my stance after thinking more closely about that matchup. So, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely an option for this week. So a bit more of a smoky pot option um, is Anthony Milford, who we've discussed on this podcast many, many times. Quite a number of the boys um, have started with Milford, me included. I actually had the strategy of um, trading him about a month back and buying uh, Moylan, which obviously didn't work out great, but the, um, the idea was to get that round 13 cover and then um, buy, make some money off Moylan and then buy Milford back for around 17 at a discount. Milford is very much at a discount. Um, I only made 70 grand off Moylan, but it's something at least. Um, but at the moment, I've got that penciled in. 
and mainly because Milford is only 413k now. Um, his average is remarkably 23 points below what he did last year and 18 points below what he's done since he was a first-grade starter. Um, so it's been remarkable, the fall from Grace that he's had. Five out of eight at Suncorp. Canberra, his old club, coming up this weekend. The Titans after that. Surely we see North Run Wilfred, surely. Look, I'd, I mean, I've held firm the whole, bit, the whole way. I would love to see him play. But I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I, I, I've i kept the faith, but it's more because of round 17 coverage. And I could, I've actually thought about, you know, selling him in round 18 to Cleary if he, if Cleary's got the goal kicking. So I know that's blasphemy for, for me, the Broncos fan, and obviously a Milford <laughs> fanboy as well. It's just frustrating. Like, he doesn't look that bad on the field as, as, Horrible as the scores have been, like he's played all right for the Broncos because if he was playing badly, um, you know, the Broncos wouldn't be winning some of the games they've won. So, yeah, I don't know. I try not to be biased with Milford, but like, I watch him really closely because obviously he's one of my favorite players and I always feel that something's going to happen around him. Um, but it's more that. Yeah, he, he goes to the line and there's no one with him. Like, there's been more people going with him, like, lately, which is why I think, you know, the Broncos have done better. They've been managing to, to put teams in doubt. And, and obviously that's where, you know, when when Milford sees the opportunity, he can run and then play instinctively. Uh, and that's where, you know, magic happens for him. But it just hasn't happened very often this year. So it's just frustrating. Yeah, it's but really, yeah, look, I, really I can, frustrating. I can certainly see why you'd want to jump on for the Titans. Um, I captained him against Titans earlier this year for a 30-something score. So, yeah, look, I, I think, um, I don't know. If I didn't own him, I don't know if I could trade him in right now. Well, but the reason I'm going to do it, be a pod. I'm doing it because he's going to be a pod, but also round 17 has not that many premium options. Um, and that Broncos versus Titans matchup looks like the type of matchup where you want to have a couple of Broncos strike players in it. So I really need to smash round 17. Um, to, to rocket up the rankings. So I think Milford and Oates can help me do that against the Titans. Um, one of the other things is a little bit of a strategy, and you can try and debunk it if you want, and I might have to rethink it, is um, at this point for me, I'm pretty low on trades. I think most people are this year. It's been a tough season. Because I'm pretty low on trades, anyone that I'm bringing in, I'm really thinking, can I keep them as a reserve? Am I, if I'm going to need to start them, am I going to be happy to start them going forward because I'm not going to be able to trade them out? Milford's somebody who I already have Gareth Whittip at 5'8", um, so he's my starter. Milford will be my backup, and I'm happy just to leave him as a backup and not playing aside from the odd hand grenade matchup going forward here and there. So that sort of works with my team, and I don't feel like I paid a premium for him either at 413k. So anyone I'm buying... I'm, I'm looking at can I make them a reserve and just roll with them as, you know, a 18th to 25th man and are they going to be decent backup if someone goes down when I don't have many trades? Yeah, look, valid point. I mean, the thing with him is he's actually got a pretty decent base for a half just from, you know, he, when he runs the ball. Um, he, he normally makes, you know, six or seven runs per game. Um, every time he runs, he'll bump off one or two players. For a tackle bust or two, he's got a decent offload on him. Um, and, you know, he because he's doing a lot of kicking, he's been racking up his first the fourth dropouts this year. So, I mean, if you look at his scores, yeah, he's got the one stinker. 
against the Dragons in round one for 18. And then um, against the South, South in 20, um, sorry, round eight, he scored 29. But aside from that, he's, you know, a couple of games in the 30s, but everything else is above that, even though he's averaged such a, so low all year. So, you know, he's not going to be, I'd say, an AE nightmare for you. Um, I think he's going to score you at least 30 to 40 if he gets no attacking starts. And, you know, the moment he gets a try or a try, so still be looking at, you know, 50-plus easy. So I definitely don't think he's a risky option, but, you know, when there's only so many spots in the halves, um, you know, the, you might want Widdop and Munster or Cody Walker or, you know, one of those options in there, and, and you can't really afford to have a Milford stinking up one of your slots there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I don't think he's a high recommendation to buy this week or for round seventeen, but he's definitely one to consider. And I'm I'm going to take the punt on him and hope for the best. I do like how it's yeah. sort of lining up though. Five percent ownership, so he turns up, you are going right up the rankings. <laughs> Especially if you put the uh, the VC or the C on him for that round seventeen. Um, yeah, definitely. let's move on to another team more of a team chat that I um, really like as far as trade-ins. The uh, Dragons pretty much have the best draw going forward for the rest of the year out of any team, arguably. Um, they've got so many strike weapons, but the most trading guy this week is Kurt Mann. Um, I really understand that and I get it. He's a good trading. We've spoken about him quite a bit, though, so... If you're getting Kurt Mannion, he's you know he's got a minus BE, he's two hundred twenty five K on. He's a decent trade in, especially with the draw coming up and the fact that he plays round seventeen. Probably the only little caveat is if he does get dropped to the bench um, at some point, he could be an AE nightmare again. But um, all in all, like he deserves to probably be the most trade in player this week. Um, so we won't talk about him too much. But one guy that we haven't spoken about hardly at all is another centre wing who, when we were talking about Croker Wilfred, I said, look, I'd rather just get a guy who has averaged less but I think has a better draw and going to go on a run and outperform and have a high ceiling. Uh, and that guy mm-hmm. for me is Lafay. So Tim Lafay this year has certainly not set the world on fire, but he still averaged 49 points. Last season he averaged 65 and he's coming off a nice 71-point score against Manly, but... He's coming up against Parramatta this week, which is really nice. Um, and in fact, they've managed to play Parramatta twice out of the next six games. Um, or sorry, twice out of the next seven games, I should say. Um, so that's really, really appealing. Um, and they get a Melbourne Storm outfit in round 17 as well. That's going to be a little bit depleted. So to me, Tim Lafayette, 428k. Um, averaging 49 with the upside to perhaps average maybe 65 for the rest of the year. He's someone that I'd much rather take a punt on, especially because he can uh, probably get those 70s, 80s, 90s scores a lot easier than someone like Croker. Yeah, look, I certainly see why. I mean, he, he's he got a decent fend on him. The thing is that his offload has disappeared. I think that's a coaching thing. Um, you know, we saw last year, he just offloaded whenever he felt like it. It was great, you know, every time it didn't didn't matter if you hit a team man or not. I mean that's two points at least or four points if you're lucky. Thing is like he's only offloaded fifteen times this year. So fourteen of those have been effective offloads and one ineffective. Compare that to twenty seventeen where he offloaded sixty two times across the season. 
So I know we're not obviously through the whole season, but he's not going to get to 62 before the end of the year. No, and like that was a, a from memory, I think it was it was averaging 2.8 offloads last season, and he's averaging exactly one offload this season. So it is a pretty remarkable drop. Yeah, and that that 2.8 to one is basically you know a six point difference in his average, yep. which is insane when you think about it. That <laughs> that's, that's that's a huge amount. Um, look, like I. I I can certainly see why people are jumping on. Um, you know, he's shown ability. I mean, he's turned up once this year. Apart from that, he's only got three scores over 70. And then there's a drop to 46 being his next highest score after that. So he does have a little bit of a, you know, a lower floor this year um, because of the lack of offloads and whatnot. But, yeah, look, the draw is nice. He's on Widdup's side. Um, there's plenty of pros there. It's just, yeah, that, I guess you're playing, you know, lottery with the Dragons backs, aren't you? You're looking at Lafayette, you've got Aitken, who's the, the, the popular buy, and then everyone's going to have Kurt Mann, most likely. Um, and then, you know, there's there's a few of us who, who took the pun on Nene McDonald instead, who I think, you know, he's quite affordable. 383. Yeah, well, Nino is um, the next guy on the list, so we may as well throw him into the conversation. Um, I'm I'm actually bypassing Aitken and Mann, um, mainly because with Aitken, he has played well, but it seems to me that, you know, the big games that he can have just as easily could be had by a Lafayette or a Nene for a cheaper price. Yep. So yep. I mean, I Nene is, um, is someone who can definitely go on a nice run and just going across... Um, you know, their draw, it's Widdup, Lafayette, Nene, Aitken, even Man. Those guys, out of those five players, one of them's going to turn up, you know, almost every week or maybe turn up a bit strong. One of them's going to get 80-plus just about every week, um, the way their draw is shaping up. And they've got Para, a depleted Storm, Tigers who are going downhill fast, um, the Cowboys who are, what, second last, Tough game against the Roosters. Um, home game at win against the Warriors. You don't travel that well there. And then they're back to the Heels, Tigers, Dogs and Knights to finish up on for the season. So even that last yeah, month nice. is just it's so amazing that my strategy is I've got Widdop, I've got Lafayette and I've got Nene. That's three out of those five Dragons and their strike weapons. So I would expect to be able to go, you know, at least hit one of them with a big score each week for the rest of the season. Yeah, look, I guess you've, you've learned up on the left. Um, I don't have Widdup yet, but I will get him. Um, if he plays this week, I'm grabbing him. If not, then he'll come in next week. Um, then I've already got Nene, and I'm going to grab Kurt Mann this week. So I'm going to have one, one winger on each side, uh, plus most likely one of the halves for round 17, uh, and well, probably the two halves for round 17, to be honest. Because um, I can imagine if Hunt plays Oregon, man probably goes and plays in the halves beside with it like he did last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, um, I'm going to stick with the wingers. Um, I think they've had more love this year in terms of scoring tries than um, Lafayette and Aitken have had. Um, I could be wrong. Um, that's off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, like, I totally agree. Um, it'd be handy to have at least one of the halves and, you know, one or two of the backs. 
So you seem to be bypassing Aitken as well. He's been pretty popular. What's what's your reasoning for choosing the other guys over Aitken? Um, price, really. Price. <laughs> and and I guess pod factor. Like, so many people have him. Uh, I just don't think I'm going to keep climbing the ranks by sticking with, you know, the same guys. I'm going to try and make my dollar stretch. And, you know, if Aitken's going to average, say, 55 to 60 at his price, um, if I could find a guy like Nene, who I'm happy to take him as, you know, if he's going to average, say, 50 for me, but, you know, far cheaper than Aitken. I mean, he's 90, 90 grand cheaper than Aitken. And I can put that 90 grand to improving some other area of my team. Um, you know, I think that's that's how I'd rather play it to try to catch up. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I'm 100% on board with that. Um Last one on the Dragons before we move on. Gareth Widdop is only 485k at the moment. He's already owned by 26% of teams, which is really annoying. Um, would you have any, if, you know, before lockout, he's 100% starting? Have you got any qualms of buying him this week, despite the turnaround from Denver and everything? I think that I would probably buy him anyway, playing against the Eels. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if they think he's well enough to play, then I'm on board. I mean, yeah, sure, he's coming off. You know, one of the most interesting kind of turnarounds from the Denver test, um, you know, four days plus travel and jet lag. So, I mean, I'd be surprised if he plays the starters, but if he does, I'm grabbing him because, yeah, the, the matchup against the Eels, even if he did nothing for 20 for 60 minutes, at least he's still going to kick goals. So, you know, I can sense a, a fairly comfortable 50-ish score, even if he doesn't get any attacking stats. Yeah, he's got a 55 BE, so he's, he's not going to go up hugely. Um, 485k is such a good price for Widow. Some people who maybe bought him three months ago for 700 grand must be kicking themselves when they look at that price. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I thought about buying him at that time as well. I'm really glad that I didn't. Good call. I was actually looking before, just sort of jump back, when you said you made 70 grand off Moylan. Uh, I think Milford lost 30 grand, so all up, you know, a little... You know, these little strategies netted you about 100 grand and more points, so not too bad. <laughs> yeah, it could have definitely been worse. It's worked out okay. And that was sort of my floor on it as well. I sort of I thought my floor will be I'll make 100 grand and I'll, I'll get the points for round 13. So it worked out okay. Um, not too bad. Yep. So moving on from the Dragons, um, I can't stress enough, if I'm anyone out there and I don't have any of those Dragons, I'd be getting at least two of them in. Um, I think you have to. But moving on from them, let's talk a little bit about uh, Penrith Ford duo that plays round 17. Um, Kikau's been named, and he's someone who a lot of guys probably sold early. Um, probably maybe even the pod that you were last on, Wilfred, everyone was selling him, and I was absolutely flabbergasted, and I said it on the pod. I don't understand when the guys, you know, maybe got a one- to three-week injury, why anyone's selling him. He's been a beast. He, he could be playing round 17. A lot of people sold him, Um at the moment now, he's been named to start with CHN out and he's going to play around 17 and obviously um, he's playing on an edge but RCG is out as well for the longer term. Um, under 490k, would you consider him a buy if you're a non-owner? I am a non-owner. So I haven't actually thought about him very much just because he's got that low score in his average. Um, if I was buying him, I'd buy him next week. Yep. Um because, yeah, I think you can get him a bit cheaper. I mean, his break even uh, 81, somewhere around there. Like high 70s or low 80s. Yeah, it's so, 81. 
I mean, he, he has potential to go large, but his high school all year has been 87. So, and that's worth a double in 35 minutes. Uh, and when he plays 80, his high score has been 85. So I think, you know, his ceiling, I don't think he's likely to turn up all too often. Um, and to be honest, their matchup this week isn't overly, um, it could be better. <laughs> I guess I can put it that way. Yeah. Um, it's, not a, it's not a great matchup, I don't think. Well, oh, actually, no, I lied. The Eagles. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's the Eagles matchup. Yeah. I was about to say, I can step in and say, well, oh, you know, the Eagles forward pack probably isn't going to be too good at holding kick out. And if they have Marty to power down at the last minute as well, because of his delayed flight, they're going to be decimated with the big boppers up front. So I, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Their, their each defense isn't great either. So I, I think it could go well no. this week. No, I think. Um, I must have looked at the wrong draw. But yeah, against the Seagulls, I think certainly that could be quite juicy, actually. Now I'm going to think about him, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got the next three at home at Pepper Stadium. He's got the, the Seagulls, and then in the bye week, he's got the Warriors, um, and then the Sharks the week after. So um, not a bad three week run at Pepper Stadium. Um, I could certainly think of worse guys to get. Um, I'm just really glad that I held him, um, and it's a reward for the patient owners that I guess um, decided to bite the bullet and just hold on to him. One of the other guys. Yeah, I the... sold him. Yep. I sold him for Tanua, so I didn't feel too bad about the trade in the end. Oh, that was a gold trade at the time. It's just um, worked out that Fanua's gone now, but yeah, at the time, yeah. that was for the round 13 trades. Yeah, somewhere around, like maybe the round 11, round 12. So that's what I mean, I think. But I could always sell Fanua back to Kikau this week. <laughs> yeah, he might be basically reversing that trade a couple of months later or a month later. Um, Trent Merrin's a guy who might be looking at some extra minutes now um, just because it's a, the point of the season that Daddy normally gets a few more minutes and also because Campbell Gillard is, is out. Um, they might need to lean on him a little bit more. He's only 445k. Um he hasn't set the world on fire, but he's still averaged 52. If I could fit him in, he was one of the guys that, you know, was my sixth, seventh, eighth trading that I kind of wanted because I felt like um, playing round 17, he was going to be a good pod to have. And I was happy to leave him as like a, a second or first reserve um, forward that wasn't in my 17 if I needed to use him. Um, have you thought about maybe hoping that Trent Merrin gets a bit back to form and starts getting a few more minutes? I've thought about it, but I just don't think, you know, he's going to get those minutes. Hook has obviously, you know, thought about investing in Fisher-Harris. That's why he's getting all those minutes for him. And he's made a big difference, not so much as Supercoach, but, you know, for the the way the Panthers pack rolls. I mean, he's going out and putting hits on and it's, it's, you know, been very effective. And then he's got Kakao demanding minutes. You know, Yo and um, CHN have been you know, solid on the edges as well. So the minutes just aren't going to be there, to be honest. I just can't see, even with Campbell Gillard out, I mean, like, Marin has still only had roughly, you know, last last five games, what, 51, 46, 45, 51, 50 for all of his minutes. So it's just not been that high at all. In saying that, though, his um, his minutes over the last two weeks, the first two games since Gillard was down, 
Um, he's gone almost six minutes above his season average on those two games. So that could be, you know, uh, a, that's a, a six-point swing on his average if that were to keep up based on his minutes and his PPM this year. So that was sort of something that was in the back of my mind, um, that if he's averaging, um, you know, 55 minutes last week was actually the um, – Oh, sorry, 50 minutes last week was actually two weeks in a row where he's gone above 50. Um, and he's only done that, you know, what, a couple of times the rest of the season. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk myself into it, but um, I probably can't. If I didn't have another trade to make, I'd maybe throw him in there and just have him as a 20th man or something. But, um, yeah, you're probably right. His minutes probably aren't going to come around, I guess. I just think if he was available at prop, then sure. But... He's in second row, and there's just too many good options that you'd want to keep in your team ahead of him. Yeah, um, that's very to, fair as well. I think you want to take up your spot. James Fisher Harris killed his value by um, winning that lock position. I think. That's, um, yeah, the fact that Mary's playing prop is, is definitely been an issue. I think for him. But yeah, I mean, I could, I could potentially end up with six, you know, active, decent keeper level players um, at second row forward and that's why I don't think I'll have space for Marin. Yeah, no, that's just, it. Let's move on from Trent Marin because it's making me sad that his uh, glory days are over and he's one of my old favourites. <laughs> Good on Griffin ruining him. Oh, I can't stand Hook. But anyway, story for another day. <laughs> yep. Ryan James. Let's move on. Ryan James. Oh, yeah. You're a Ryan James fan. I know that you are. And he's um, yep. he's crazy expensive now compared to what he was. He's the ninth most trading player so far this week at 2.2%. He's just gone up 73.5K. So I would I would just find it hard to trade him for that. The fact that I've just had to pay 73.5K more than a, than a week before. But at 625K, um, I mean, he's been playing some good football. He's just had back-to-back tons. But he hasn't scored a ton the rest of the year, and his points... Haven't been that fantastic until that. Um, yeah, look, I I just can't pay that much for him. I, I'm going to leave him. He's front row only, so he doesn't have the flexibility. I understand guys getting him in the last two weeks, but this week he just seems a bit too expensive. Wilford. Yeah, look, I can certainly understand that. Um, I think if I didn't own him already, I'd be thinking, can I really get him at 625K when, you know, you've got much better buyers like Tohu for 523 or you know you've got the other much cheaper options like Kakao obviously 490 or whatever um, TBJ you know, is a 120 grand difference as well yeah exactly so th- there are definitely options who are far cheaper and can give you a better output but I mean if you want that pod um, James is going to be out of reach for a lot of players if you don't get him this week, because he's got a negative 29 break even, despite his high price tag already. So, I mean, it'll obviously come back down. It'll crash in price. But, you know, if, if you haven't got him and he does go on another, if he does turn up in two weeks' time again, you know, he's going to float around that price for the rest of the year potentially. Or, you know, if, for the rest of the period where people still have trades to get him, <laughs> usually... Yeah. So he could definitely turn into a real pod for the run home. And, I mean, I don't mind the Titans draw, to be honest. Um, I had a decent look at it earlier because, um, you know, there's 
there's a couple of matchups there. So, like, if you look at it, like, some of the teams are not great, but say the Broncos in round 17, they're going to be missing McGuire um, and, you know, a few other... They might be missing Jero as well if, if there's any changes made and he ends up playing Origin. So that middle is going to be soft as butter. And James could easily score twice on um, an admittedly weak pack. So, yeah, that's, that, 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 that draw looks pretty good. Um, it, if Considering it's the Titans, um, a lot of people don't look at the draws, but their draw for the rest of the year is actually pretty decent, especially for a Ford. Um, yeah, like, exactly. I guess the only other thing as well is if the Titans start to um, go downhill a little bit um, when the season really slips away. And that's the other important thing. Pretty much, I think, post-round 17, after that round 17, that's when a lot of teams start to not give up, but they realise they're not going to make the play up the, the um, semis and they sort of uh, drop off a little bit, and that could be the Titans. But that probably won't affect James that much being a forward. Um so, yeah, yeah. Look, he, he definitely puts in. I mean, he's captain, and he's. I think he's one of those guys who captains by his actions. You know, I mean, it, the, the Titans were obviously no chance of playing finals last year, but he still rolled home with scores of 72, 71, 58, 67, 60, no, wait, sorry, that's minutes. 63, 76, 78, 52, 52. So, decent scores, you know, average 64 or so for the last five rounds. Um, you know, I think in the front row forward position, that's that's keeper level right now this year. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to talk about the outs in a minute, but um, one of the guys that's being spoken about a lot is, is Andrew Fafita. Now, would you rather have Ed, uh, Ryan James for the run home or Andrew Fafita for the run home just looking ahead? Yeah, I think James, just based on the fact that Woods is now at the shark and... Fafita's still got his knee issue. Like, no, I, I can imagine he's going to nurse that the rest of the season. So he's going to get managed. And, I mean, he'll have the odd game, I reckon, where he'll turn up, possibly. But for the most part, I can expect him playing 45 or so minutes, give or take. Because um, the days where he's going to play 65 to 70 minutes are long gone now. But they've got Woods there. Who could just, they could just flog for 60 minutes easily each week. Yeah, James does look a lot more appealing the more I look at it. Um, I, I understand guys doing it because at the front row spot, he's um, he's going to be pretty valuable. Depends on your team makeup as well. My my team at the yeah. moment, um, I've got um, Tuffany and TBJ and Kikau all playing around 17, all already in my team. So I've yeah. already got those three forwards there and they're all duels as well, so I can swap them around, but all of them can be my props. Um I probably don't have the urgency to, to get a Ryan James in, um, especially when Sergis is in second row and I can switch him up and down. Yeah, no, that's very handy when you've got all those dual position players. Um, for me, I mean, I had, I've had i got Fafita, James, Tatal and Sergis as my front row at the moment. Um, well, Sergis can swap around with um, one of my, uh, I think Nichols is my little minion to swap around with, but... <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I I am leaning towards selling Safira because of you know, the the news that broke with Woods now being at the Sharks um, and more players of as soon as this week. So I could easily, you know, think Safira at six fourteen k. I think you know another hundred fifteen break even. So if he scores fifty sixty, he's going to drop another fifty sixty grand. So 
I think maybe just locked that price in. You know, you'd go for Fida to say Tohu and pocket 80, 80 grand or 90 grand. Yeah, so um, I mean, it's probably a good time yeah. to talk about the Fida now because um, he's he's on the the most. Uh, the top of our list for talking about the trade-out guys and he's also one of the most controversial ones at the moment. I've got Fafida yeah. to power as well. Um, Fafida, I'm actually looking at dumping as well. Um, and it's because he at, is at 615K, he's not playing round 17, he's got a BE of 115 and he's probably going to get you know close to 500K if he keeps going because he's just been... The last three weeks, he's been nowhere near um, what we saw from him the rest of the season. And that was without Woods there, like you said. Like, he's got 42, 54, and 65 points the last three weeks. Um, You know, it could be worse, but for what you need from him and what he's been producing, it's just nowhere near um, his output. And his minutes just are never going to be what they were. Um, They've already dropped down with Gallon, um, getting a few extra minutes. Now that Woods is there, you know, I... I don't know if we're going to see him um, get to 60 minutes for the rest of the year again. I think he's going to be that low 50s to, to mid-50s um, kind of minutes. He's been 56, 55, 54, 54, the four years before this year. So that yeah. sort of seems like it makes sense. Yeah, I just don't think there's a need to, to flog him. I mean, when they were short, like Gallon was injured, Lewis was out, Graham was out. Uh, he and Pryor were playing 70-plus minutes each which is really impressive for two props to play that many minutes. Um, but, you know, now that like Woods is, um, as far as I'm aware, healthy, and he can easily churn out 60 minutes, you know, back backpedaling into the defensive line again and again. Um, <laughs> so I just think, yeah, it's like why, why risk it with such a dynamic, you know, impact player who can play massive minutes, but he's got a knee injury. And you know, just going to nurse it through. Um, you've got a perfectly healthy former New South Wales forward. Why not just flog him around? He's much younger too. Oh, not much younger. Um, you know, he's certainly capable of playing those minutes. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that's for Feeder too is that he's owned by thirty-four percent of the team. So if you are someone who's chasing um, like me and wants to get a leg up not having him and picking someone who's going to score more points over the course of the rest of the season is going to be a real pod move. Um, so, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think some teams are going to sell him, but he's still going to be around 30% owned, I reckon. So, you know, a third of super coaches almost, you're going to have a leg up on if a feeder averages 55, 60 points for the duration of the year. Um, he's pretty much going to have to average, you know, 65 plus for it to, to actually backfire on you, I think. And, that might be unlikely. Um, it's just a shame, though, Wilfred, because I was saying to you before the pod that um, I wish that I'd sold him earlier because it, even a week earlier, I would have had an extra yeah. 50 grand to play with. You know, it's just dropped by 50,000. It's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah, and I know some people actually did take the punt just that what's going to be there for June 30? I'll just sell him now. And more power to them. They, they made a bold call and it's paid off for them. Yeah, and those are the sort of calls that can really turn around your season quite a bit. So I've um, got to take some risks and that was a good one. Um, it's probably risky now. I mean, he's he's the best prop in the game. But, um, yeah, it's it's a risk that I'm going to take for sure and use that money elsewhere. 
um, pretty much exactly like you said. Um, some other guys that you mentioned and one is a Fafita potential trade out for was uh, Toby Harris. We've spoken about him quite a bit, but um, I think that we can probably agree Tohu and SJ are close to must for for round 17, so you, you've got to really have them in your plans. Yeah, without a doubt. I just can't see how you could really survive that round. Um, you know, they're, they're just, when they both play, like their averages go up because they work well together. Um, you know, SJ having an attacking threat outside him. Um, and obviously, Tohu is a hard-working one. You know, one of if not the hardest-working back row in the game, getting through plenty of work. And now he's got the attacking upside of playing beside SJ. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a they're, they're both close to must-haves as possible. And their ownership is going to be quite high, especially before round seventeen. Yeah, but yeah, you're going to have to have them. I think. I mean, for Fafita to Tohu Harris, like you mentioned, it nets you a hundred grand to play with elsewhere. And potentially it's going to be the same or more points for the duration of the year. So, and in round 17, there's going to be no points for Fafita. So I think that's a, a great trade. Um, and both those guys are really good ones. There was a few others that are on the top 10 most traded that I put them in a little group because these are my question mark guys where I don't really get um, the appeal of why guys are trading them in at this point. Um, one of them being Arrow, who's the 10th most traded in guy at 1.8%. He's not going to be playing round 17 because he's going to be in that origin team. And um, even if it's, you know, a changed origin team or looking towards the future or youth or anything, that's just going to mean Arrow plays more minutes. Um, yep. Johnston's on a negative break even from uh, South, but he's again not playing round 17, so... I, I don't really get that unless, you know, I, you're throwing around 17 anyway. You're looking for a pod, then I guess that makes sense. But he's the eighth most trading guy. Um, and then the only other guy that we haven't really touched on in the top 10 most trading is um, Josh Lynchon at uh, 3.1%, which at 480k and playing around 17 kind of makes a little bit of sense. Um, but I always just thought that people would have Cook and Smith in by now and you just play Smith in round 17. Yeah, look, absolutely. I just can't. I, I don't get Hodgson trade at all, um, unless they're really that desperate to have an extra hooker for round seventeen. Um, I guess some people might not be able to afford, say, Havili to Smith, but surely you would have done that trade already. <laughs> um, if not, then yeah, look, make the money, get to Smith because I think it'd be really brave to run without Smith in round 17 when he's going to have that control, full control of that Storm team. He'll win the game by himself. Yeah, I thought about not having him a few weeks back when I was talking to Billy. I actually thought about not having him, but um, I thought better of it and bought him at 500k, um, which I'm happy that I did because he's now at yeah. you know, 697,000, which is just crazy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, him and Cook are two of the most expensive players in the game, so... I guess I can see why some people might be jumping on Hodgson for a lot cheaper. Um, look, the only other thing I can think of is that they're probably head-to-head players, right? They don't care about around 17. They're just getting in the players because they're in cheap now and you know, maybe they're pod seat from their opponent this week or whatever. So, um, I mean, Johnston's he's affordable at 508000 but he's got like a negative break-even now, so he would go up 
Um, and if you want him, you know, this week is probably the week to get him rather than paying potentially. I mean, they're playing the Cowboys, so could be yeah. another cricket score. Yeah, it could be. I mean, um, Arrow's only got a 55 BE, so he's not going to go up, you know, hugely off that anyway. I tend to think that yeah, Arrow is definitely one that I'd be waiting because he's going to play Origin as well. You know, it, we've all seen break. injuries happen in Origin. Like, it's surely he just wait. Yeah, but absolutely. But, you know, he scored 90 last week just with base and a couple of line breaks assists. So he's certainly a beast when he gets the minutes. <laughs> uh, he's He's been the player that I thought he was going to be a couple of years ago for the Broncos, but he just didn't get the minutes and, and you guys let him go. So now we get to reap the rewards a couple of years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't keep them all. We, we, we kept TPJ, so, you know. Uh, it's all right, mate. Go, go talk to my roosters. They'll figure it out for you. Um, <laughs> nah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap up um, Market Watch by... Um, looking at a couple of other different guys that aren't being spoken about too much yet. Lachlan Lewis got named to play for the Bulldogs. Um, dual 5'8", halfback, rookie price, 164K. Um, he's obviously going to play in this week, uh, but you would expect that if they've made that change and Frawley wasn't setting the world on fire, that he could have the job locked up for a little while. Um, certainly for round 17 that you would expect him to be around for. Would you um, yeah. would you be looking at him for next week as an early trading, possibly you know a, a Thurston down to a Lachlan Lewis and free up that cash? Yeah, I've certainly thought about it. Um, the only thing is, uh, if he's going to you know have that spot for the rest of the year, I don't know if I want a bulldog half, um, you know, for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, and, and and without knowing what he plays like, I mean. You know, I don't know if he's got a keen game and he might end up dropped again, which that actually would be great if he ended up dropped um, because he's got that dual position. Um, you could really just do a SJ with a um, query uh, combo and you can have SJ swapping back and forth as cover and then you've got clear at halfback, Widdup at 5-8 and, and then obviously the two duels. Between and them. he would be perfect if he was just someone who could come in and play around 17 and then get dropped. That would be... A fantastic option, but we just don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, it's a tough one. Well, he's our cheapy alert, but another guy who is a bit of a cut price centering pod and someone who's not being looked at or talked about at all that I'm going to throw out there um, is Vunavalu. So, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, but round 17 is obviously coming up. If you can't afford someone... Um, you know, like a Croker or a Aitken or one of these premium guys that's in round 17. Uh, Vunavalu is 150k cheaper than Aitken almost um, and he's only priced at 330k on only 9% of teams own him. Obviously, he's had a pretty poor season, but he's someone, Wilfred, where I look at him and go, well, you know, Vunavalu's going to go on a run. If I want to make a ch- if I want to take a chance on someone... Um, and then maybe have them as, you know, my, my fifth or sixth centre wing just as backup if someone goes down. Maybe I could jump on and, and get a bit of a, a Vooney run and that'll help me um, through the rest of the season. So, yeah, I'm not so convinced he's going to go on a run. Uh, just the main reason being is, I mean, Cronk's no longer there and he was a source of plenty of points that, you know, Vooney was scoring. 
um, obviously plenty of bombs um, and, and kicks behind, things like that, which in Riley Texas, he, he can't deliver that kind of service to Vinavalu. Uh, plus, you know, Munster and uh, Adokar working so well on the left. you got Slander, who obviously can play on both sides, but he certainly seems to prefer uh, the, the cutout pass on the left. Um, and he likes to go to the short uh, to Felice on the right, um, the short short ball to the back rower. So I just don't know. I I can't I can't see anything that's going to tell me it, it's going to change. Like he hasn't looked that fantastic on the field. You know, every now and then he does something freakish, but then he does you know, three or four boneheaded things instead. In the last two weeks, he's scored tries, thirty-seven to forty-four tries in both of those scores, like that's just not not good enough to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty disappointing. I mean, he I think that I would I would consider him if I was really desperate and had a pretty solid centre wing already and he was my my fifth trading um, and I couldn't afford yeah. anyone better. Um, that might be that might make me a little bit more enticed to look at him. But in yeah. saying that, you know, round seventeen St. George, you're going to be pretty depleted. Um, that's going to be an okay game for him. And then after that, they've got Manly and the Warriors um, and then Canberra. So that month of games isn't bad. They come up with South and, and the Sharks after that, which you'd probably bench him for. And then I would probably play, play him for Parramatta and the Titans for the third last and second last games of the year, particularly that Titans game. He... Um, might be a master stroke in that, um, you know, the head-to-head semi-finals that'll be happening at the time. So, yeah, I, that would sort of be my plan if I didn't have the money to afford it, and if I, most of my the rest of my centre wing was pretty safe um, for yeah, three hundred thirty k. I don't think there's really anyone else. Yeah, look, uh, I think yeah, if you're right, he's a, certainly a high risk, high reward kind of guy. Um, I think if you were a head-to-head player, then he's certainly worth considering. But only if you've got four guys, you'd feel comfortable starting week-to-week without him. I wouldn't want to play him every week, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was just a little bit of a dark horse one for uh, a cheaper option than all the other premium guys. Um, let's finish off the outs. So we, we mentioned for feeder already, so we won't go through it. Realistically, the only other out that I can see that um, is a he's probably a good one is Jonathan Thurston. Um, he's only 400k. If you know you had one of these other halves like DCE, for example, um, along with Thurston, you know, would you rather ride out JT and think that JT is going to give you a good score every now and then, or um, would you just bite the bullet and get rid of JT over, say, a you know a DCE and a, a Milford and these guys? I think I would get rid of JT over Milford just because of round 17 coverage. Um, and obviously with the ownership for JT still being quite high, uh, I mean, obviously there's a number of them that'll be zombie teams who you know, gave up after the season, but still, like, he's still in 26% of teams. You assume at least, <clears throat> you know, 15% are still active, not from that 26%. So still quite a decent ownership for someone who's obviously been very disappointing most of the year. But at the end of the day, he's still averaged 49. And how many halves are doing better than him that you'd feel comfortable running home with? There's a, there's a handful. 
Um, so, I mean, if you get stuck with JT for the next few years, it's not the end of the world. He doesn't lay that many stinkers, unfortunately. Um, so I think he'd be, yeah, I'd trade him out if, you know, you've got no one else to ditch and you wanted to get someone else. Like, I mean, say JT to an SJ or old Widow, they're no-brainers, I reckon. Um, or you trade JT to, say, Cleary when he takes the court back or something like that. They all make sense to me. But I just wouldn't be doing JT to, say, Milford as a sideways trade um, or anything like that. I just think, you know, for the extra rounds points, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Instead of holding JT as a backup. That's really fair points. Um, he is a most traded player at 5.1%, excluding Mahe from Newell, who's obviously out for the year. So um, a lot of guys trading him out. We just, we'll finish off market watch just um, talking about a trio of head scratches, which um, I don't understand at all. So we've got um, Reese Martin being traded out by 2% of teams. Savita Pangai traded out by 2.1% of teams and Viliami Kikia traded out by 2.4% of teams. Now, I wouldn't normally think, Wilfred, that this was guys who were playing around with trades and haven't reversed yet um, and now that they've been um, named that you know, they're going to hopefully reverse them. But I've seen a lot of guys just, just say, no, nah, I'm actually going to trade like Reese Martin to Tofu Harris or Tavita Pangai to Tofu Harris and things like that. Um, and I just don't get it. The advice that I've thrown out there to maybe half a dozen people now chatting online has been anybody that you have that is playing around 17, you cannot trade. You have to keep them. Um, so, I mean, is there anything that I'm missing here? No, I agree. Um, I just don't see why people are training them out either. Uh, they surely, by kickoff, they'll fix that up. Surely. <laughs> well, you'd hope so, but I've seen some Reese Martin people talking about you know upgrading him. Um, and to be honest, I I would almost consider buying Reese Martin. I mean, he's minus twenty one BE. He's only three hundred fifty k. We spoke about Vunavalu as a guy just to run as an extra player if you need to. That's going to give you around seventeen coverage at a cut price. Like if you don't have the money, Reese Martin, yep. three hundred fifty k. He might be goal kicking. And if he keeps that yep. second race spot now that Embi's gone and he's got the goal kicking, he could actually be like a guy that you want to start. He could be a keeper. Uh, <clears throat> he keeps playing 80 minutes on an edge and takes a goal kicking. Um, I mean, look, it's the dogs, so the limit to how many kicks a goal he's going to get. But you know, he's, he's easily going to sit at 55-plus average. So... Um, you know, playing at 80 minutes on the edge with the goal kicks. I uh, would definitely be keeping him. I can't see why you'd sell him. No, well, I mean, he's been averaging 68 points a game as it is, small sample size of four games, but still, you know, he had one game that was um, only 67 minutes in there as well. So, uh, yeah, he, he projects it. Um, what's that going to be if you add eight points probably um, or maybe six points to be conservative because of the dogs? You know, that's 74-point average. Yeah. It looks fantastic to me. I would, I'd probably buy him. If I didn't own him and I didn't you know, sell him early or anything, I'd probably consider buying him as my fifth trade. Um, but, you know, hopefully, like you said, a lot of these people reverse and don't trade out TPJ, Martin and Kikau and have them back for around 17. Crazy, crazy, crazy. 
Well, let's move on for a quick review of the teams before we finish up. Um, so, this weekend has some um, interesting matchups. The first one we've got the Dragons versus Parramatta Eels on Thursday night. Um, big news is that um, all the Dragons um, players from Origin and also um, you know, Widdop from the Denver Test have been named, aside from Tyson Frizzell, who. Yep is not playing, but everyone else is there with uh, Luciano Leilua coming onto the bench. Um, the Eels, though, they've got Mitchell Moses returning, which is um, going to be interesting because it's going to shuffle things around again. Um, Gutherson goes to fullback, which is quite appealing, actually. Um uh, French to the wing. Losing the cock kicking again, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I really miss Gutherson from a year ago, but we're probably not going to see it, sadly. Um, and... Yep. Marata Nakori starts in the back row for Mao, who's a fashion sheet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a couple of changes for the Eels, but really it's going to be everyone sweating on um, Gareth Widdop to play, and luckily it's the first game. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a real blessing in disguise because these teams, especially the Dragons, could look nothing like this. I mean, I'd be shocked if Widdop and Graham played. And the Bellin as well. Like he's carrying injuries. Like don't get it. They don't need the Bellin to beat the Eels. Yeah. Nor do they need Widdop and Graham to be honest. Sometimes, you know, it's especially after a big origin game or something, some of these guys want to really play, I think. Like they're really pumped up and they just they they can't wait to rip in again. Um so maybe yeah, the injuries maybe, though, seriously. Has has Mary McGregor ever struck you as a coach that's been in charge of his team? <laughs> He's probably the one pushing them. He's like, oh, you'll be hyped up. Let's go. Run around. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that the, the Dragons are going to have a pretty good win here. Um, I'm, if Widdop's playing, I'm going to put I'm going to be putting the VC on him. But I'm also going to be pretty excited on uh, having Tim Lafayette and Nene in this game as well. Yeah, well, we saw what Robert Jennings did on that right edge of the Eels. So, yeah. Could you see maybe a, a five-tray Nene effort to, to, to kind of emulate Jenny? What about five? Five might be a little bit greedy. I'll be happy with a double. All right. Well, I'm going to push that to a hat trick and we'll meet in the middle. Um, yeah. We'll move on to the next one. I think that one's going to be a, a good Dragons win, though. Um, hopefully, Widdop plays. The next one's going to be uh, the Warriors versus the Sharks. And this one's at Mount Smart and... Thankfully, guys like RTS and SJ didn't go over, so they're going to be fully fit and raring to go after missing out on the Denver Test. Um, but Kermy's names, all those guys that did play on an extended bench, so if you do have um, Hiku in particular um, or even Mamalo, you need to be um, really watching an hour before kickoff to see what's going on. The early word looks like that they're going to play. Um, the Sharks team, however has both their back rowers gone. So Wade Graham looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks and Luke Lewis is out as well. So that means that Capewell and Scott Sorensen are the starting second row. Um, and other than that, we've got Aaron Woods onto the bench. So the um, big thing for this one, for me, Wilfred, is watching what the Sharks rotation is going to look like. Yep. Definitely makes sense there. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if the... The Warriors who play, and even so, sorry, as in the Denver, Denver Test Warriors played. 
because I did get delayed as well. So I know they're all back um, back home now, but then I'm getting delayed like an extra day or so from their flight because of the storm, the electrical storm. Yep. So they they have a really even shorter turnaround and their recovery time would be compromised because they'd be sitting around the airport instead of, you know, going for a ski swim or whatever they do normally as part of their recovery. Um, I just, like, Sharks are pretty tough for Santa Wings to score on as well. So I don't know if I'd be wanting to play any of my Sharks. I mean, Warriors, Santa Wings. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope that you'd have better depth than having to play, than, you know, having to try and play a Hiku or someone. Um, I mean, I think myself, I reckon that the Sharks are going to get a win here. And I'm really surprised that they started on the betting markets as um, as outsiders for this game. Um, the Sharks obviously had pretty limited origin involvement um, with only homes in there. So I kind of feel like, especially with um, Woods going in and, and Fafita, you know, just having the yeah the Tongan um, tests that he played in, he should be pretty good to go. So, yeah, I see this one going the Sharks' way myself. Um, how do you sort of see it going? Um a little bit torn because I think losing both Graham and Lewis is actually a pretty big loss for the Sharks because <clears throat> just the way they I guess defend um, and also like Graham has been a big key in unlocking Matt Moylan's you know um, effectiveness like he's definitely looked better when Graham's been beside him taking some heat off him and, and just being another option in attack so I don't know if that's going to impact more than what we expect. Yeah, or, that's really fair. That's a really good point. I I actually don't like this game for zero purposes. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't think anyone in this game is going to go too fantastic. I'm even a little bit worried about SJ to be honest. So it could be one of those you know, dour games where it's one of those sharks 15, 14 wins or something, and we we hate having any of them in our super coach teams. Yeah, I mean, the only benefit, I guess, that perhaps leans me towards the Warriors is that they are playing in New Zealand. Yep. So I think that's, yeah, could be all right there. So the next game, uh, we've got my Roosters coming up against the Storm on Friday night. Um, This one's going to be at Adelaide Oval, so a bit of a neutral ground for this one. A few changes. Boyd Cordner is out with his concussion, so Nat Butch is going to start in the back row. Um, Mitch Orbison moves to centre, which means we get Victor Radley in the back row as well, which is great. Um, Hargraves is on um, an extended bench because he did come back from that flight from Denver. I tend to think that he's not going to play. Takiyaho actually returns and starts a prop. Um, On the other side, Billy Slater was actually named and I thought that he was probably going to be out. So um, that's going to be an interesting watch. He may very well end up moving out of that side before kickoff. Um, but aside from that, it's um, pretty much the program. I'm I'm thinking that the Roosters are going to get a good win here, but I really don't like that Boyd Cordner's out now. Um, that's probably going to hurt their forward stop, stocks quite a bit, especially if JWH is out as well. But my number one thing here it is... Matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, the no, Roosters... No, I was going to say, yeah, I mean... On paper, the Roosters definitely look stronger than the Storm because the Storm is still, like, their middle is quite weak and missing for Nukin and, and J-Brom. So, 
Um, I, I've, I have no doubt that that lineup's going to change. I can't see Slater playing. There's no way Bellamy's running with a bench hooker, one prop, an edge back roller, and you know a fullback slash six um, as his bench. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you're I... missing your, your your prop and you know you're starting prop and lock. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I have no doubt that's going to change, but the Roosters is still stronger. I mean, what I'm saying is, where's Madison? Seriously, where is he? <laughs> yeah, we we didn't talk about him before, but um, he's he's a guy that a lot of people are, are selling as well. Um, and I can kind of understand, but I mean, but there's a couple of different thoughts on it. One of them is guys getting a bit carried away with the whole concussion stuff. The guy had wrist surgery as well. And that was the main thing. It was only a couple of weeks ago that he had wrist surgery. So he was always going to be touch and go whether he was going to play this week. Um, so it may very well be that just the wrist surgery has kept him out, which is still within the time frame probably. And um, he gets next week off and then he's back in 100% from round 18. And then you're going to wish that you played him because, um, you know, he's going to be a premium centre wing if he's playing from round 18 onwards. So that's the hold scenario where you should be really trying to hold him. On the other flip side, though, um, on the sell scenario, there's quite a few rumours going around that there's um, a lot more to it. Um, and I don't want to speculate on what those rumours are because they are just rumours, but they are going around um, saying that it's, it's not just injury that he's out for. Um, whether any of that's true or not, I've got no idea. But I know if I had him at the moment, even though he's not named, I'd be trying my best to hold him and not sell him. Yep, I agree. Ferguson, I'm looking forward to along with Teddy in this one, and those are my two highlights for this game. Um, I've enjoyed owning Fergo, and uh, I reckon Teddy got a bit of um, confidence out of the Odin series too. So they're my big watches for this one, for points that I'm excited about. Have you got any uh, in this one that you're excited to watch, Wilfred? No, I think, I mean, Victor Radley is just so... So good to watch lately because he's just he's playing so well, and he's just got so much energy. He rips in, like whether he's got the ball, he runs hard. Whether he's not got the ball, he tackles hard. Um, everything he does, he just goes a million miles an hour, which is so good to see. So he's he he'll just be a highlight, not from a super coach standpoint, but just enjoyable player to watch play. Yeah, I love him. We've got him for a number of years. We locked him up last week, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's a big big deal actually. Another three or four years, even. Yeah, four-year deal. So um, we got him for the long term at the moment, which is really good. Um, next one, we got the Panthers and the Sea Eagles, um, and this one's on Saturday um, at Pepper Stadium. We've got the Penrith Origin and Test players all being named, uh, with Tamal starting for Regan Campbell Gillard is out, obviously. Um, kick out returns and starts in the back row because Harawira Naira is out. Um, and that looks like it's just a one-week injury that he's going to be out for. But that's good news for the kick out owners. Um, on the other side of the fence, the Seagulls have got Dylan Walker returning with Trent Hodkinson benched um, and Parker replacing URT, who's gone for the season. Finally, Manasseh Fanu gets named as hooker with Matt Wright benched and... Tom Wright dropping to the reserves, and all that is because we had Jackson Hastings booted out of the club now, so he's out of the top 30, so they can make that move. And Marty Tapao, the last one here to talk about, is just getting back from Denver probably right now, probably getting home and starting to have a rest. He, um, he's he been named to start, but he's in pretty obvious doubt. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd be really surprised if he does play. But maybe they need him to play because they can, they've got no one else they can put on the park. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's going to be the interesting one with this, isn't it? Um, I actually think that he'll play just because they need him to. Um, the other yeah. game, thing that's interesting, do you, you have to think that DCE kicks again now that Hopkinson's on the bench. Yeah, he might kick half again that Hopkinson takes over when he comes on. I don't understand having Hopkinson on the bench at all. Um, yeah, do you think that you got Matt Wright as well? <laughs> no, so surely that bench changes, doesn't it? Like um, they've got to have somebody, another forward coming on, like a Lloyd Perrot or something, come in instead of Hodkinson. Well, Tanganoa was quite good for them off the bench at the start of the year, and until he got injured. So if he's fit, then why not put him back in? Yeah, it, it can't possibly stay that way. They can't run with Hodkinson and, and Matt Wright on their bench unless Trent Barrett's run gets sacked. Maybe he is. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, so that's how good they're going. Well, let's, we'll move on from this game because um, the, my main watch is DC goal kicking, but if, if Penrith keep to form and Manly keep to form, he might not be kicking too many goals. So, yeah. I did watch on Clary goal kicking too. Because there's that rumour that he said he might pick up the goal kicking again after Origin. So, he does pick up that T. Yep. So, Later on. Yeah, he's going to be a great trade if he picks up the kicking, and especially um, because guys will probably be really low on trades and struggle to be able to afford to do that. So he'll probably be less owned than what he would have been in prior years. He's 480k. So I think he's going to be a lot more affordable than most people think. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that I've got the trades left when he does get the goal kicking back to be able to get him in. He's going to be a big watch as well. Yeah. Um, Definitely. The game after that one, we got the Knights and the Bulldogs in um, what's shaping up as two non-top eight teams at the moment. And the Knights have been leaking some points as well. Um, they've only got the one change with, with Fitzgibbon um, suspended. Um, whereas the Bulldogs um, obviously have no more Ambi, so that's shifts Hopperati to the bench. That's uh, a fullback, sorry. Um, Karen Holland's actually going to start in the centres with John Ollie gone which really, really hurts for the olive owners who have him from round 17. Uh, Lewis yep. debuting at 5'8 for Matt Frawley. Um, and other than that, Reese Martin gets a recall to the second row for Fatala Mariner, who has a broken hand. So Woods is obviously um, gone as well. Um, the big news here, though, Wilfred, there's a lot of changes for the dogs. And two of them are absolute killers for the round 17 buy period with... Um, Fatala Mariner gone and Olive gone, it's really thrown a spanner in the works. Yeah, unless you didn't own either of them, in which case you're laughing. <laughs> well, do you not own either of those two? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you, you're like I, one of four people. I, <laughs> I got lucky. I um, I decided to skip Olive and Man. Well, not so lucky on Man, but I decided to skip Olive anyway because uh, I wanted to take a punt on Nene last round. Um, which was not very good for a large part of the game until he scored in the final 10 minutes. So, yeah, could have gone pear-shaped. Well, it's worked out yeah, really yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. I'm not complaining. Um, other big watch on this one is, like we spoke about, um, whether Reese Martin actually gets the goal kicking. And looking at that lineup, I don't, I didn't think that he would, would have any trouble getting it until I saw Karen Holland was going to start. Yeah, so I actually looked into this a bit. Um, Karen Holland uh, kicked at 80% last year and 75% the year before. 
So his career average is around 78. Um, Reese Martin, I mean, he kicked so well on the weekend for um, P&G, was it, I think? Um, yeah. He kicked five from five. Last year, he kicked um, at 82 or 83% for the season um, in ISP. So I think between the two of them, I think Martin is the better kicker. So fingers crossed he gets to keep um, the job. And I read somewhere that when in the games that both Martin and Holland played together, so not the first grade, obviously, but in um, lower grades, Martin was the one who kicked. So it's a good sign. That's a very good sign. It's good info, Wilfred. I reckon that um, he's got the inside edge unless Steve Pay wants to try and be silly about it and um, just give it back to Holland, but hopefully not. Um, the other thing that I'm looking at in this one is on the night side, I'm not really excited by anything aside from Kalen Ponga, who I reckon if he got desperate, he could be a sneaky captain option this week. Yeah, look, I, I couldn't blame anyone for chucking the, the, the captain's armband on Ponga. But, I mean, there's, there's, there was those whispers that he might get rested and Nini might debut. So, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he did get rested, to be honest, because he played what like fifty, fifty-five minutes at lock for the first time in his life. I mean, <laughs> and he made more tackles in that one game than he had his whole career so far. <laughs> so I can imagine his body's probably pretty sore after that game, and um, you know, he's he is their treasured star signing, so they're going to make sure they look after him and don't burn him out too quickly. So. Could see him getting rested, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of on the opposite on that. Like, to me, it's if it was a Wednesday night game, I would agree, but it's almost a full week after the Origin yep. game. So, I mean, going from Sunday to Saturday, that's you know almost as good a rest as you'll get playing in the NRL anyway. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I tend to think that he'll probably play, but um, it's the tape for all of us owners that he does. Um, <laughs> So the next the other thing I was going to yeah. sorry, jump on. Uh, big watch on who gets Aaron Woods minutes. Uh, so Woods averaging sixty plus or so for most of the year. I think it's dropped in recent months, uh, recent weeks rather. But obviously there's a big there's a big hole there. So Ed Thomas you need to start, and I know he's a plotter, but he's cheap right now. So I couldn't blame anybody for having a punt because but he's three seventy one k. And you know he's been getting jump minutes, and we know what he can do. But if he gets back to sixty plus minutes, and for that price, he could easily average say fifty, and you're getting a bargain. It'll cover around seventeen, and I mean a fifty average is fine. But, you know if he's just going to sit on your and your your non-playing reserves for most of the season, if not all season, aside from round seventeen, um, you know he's not going to be an any nightmare, anything like that. Yeah, he's an interesting one. Um, I saw somebody or a couple of people actually say online today that Aiden Tolman is a must now that Woods is gone, and I thought that that was more than stretching it. <laughs> he's he's far from a must, um, and I'm I'm a little bit more worried about him than what you are. I see the appeal as well, and I had a look at him, and he is at a good price, but um, I mean, like... You know, in 49 and 47 minutes that he played his last two games, he you know, only scored 36 and 33 points. And it seems yeah. like his career 
is well and truly behind him at this point, um, and he just hasn't been used enough. So he'd probably be needing to get, you know, 70, 70 to 80 minutes to be great. I mean, he might need 70 minutes to hit 50, um, which he's not going to get. So I don't know. Um, he's going to be decent. He's going to be good for round 17, but I'm a little bit more wary on um, whether he's going to become a little bit of a pain to have in your side and maybe be a 40-point type of guy. Yeah, and look, that's valid. His, his PPM has been down compared to previous seasons. So I can certainly see why, you know, you could skip him. I'm not saying he's a must by any means, but I think, yeah, you know, to use your example from earlier, if you need to find some money, I mean, find a, a cheaper guy, but you can't find, quite find the money for some of the more premium options, yep. he's not the worst. Yeah, very true. Kind of and that for feeder trade, you're going to net um, 235000 off doing that downgrade from Tomlin. Um, from Fafita to yeah. so He could be the, the Vinavalu of the forwards. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Um, all right, well, let's move on from the Knights Dogs and uh, talk about your boys up there, the Broncos versus the Raiders at Suncorp Stadium. Um, so for this one, we've just got the one change for the Bronx um, with Tomo replacing Sam Tagatese on the bench. All the Origin players named, and Tamita Pengler Jr. is the big one, named in his starting spot on an edge, returning from his rib injury. Um, with the Raiders, they've got Hodgson starting at hooker after his comeback against the Tigers, severely back to the bench. Uh, Soliola starting at prop, and Joseph uh, Jr. Paulo is being named to return after his long injury layoff. So a couple yep. of small changes there. Um, big one for me here, Wilfred, is I'm going to be on Massive Milford watch, um, thinking playing against his old club and up at Suncorp with his Suncorp numbers and against the side that leaks some points. I'm a bit excited for him and I'm also a bit excited for Corey Oates and TPJ as well. I reckon they could be getting some attack. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think the, the matchup potential is certainly there. So I can't, I can't disagree with anything you've just said so far. Um, I'm going to make a big call here and say this is going to be the, the best super coach game of the weekend as far as super coach scoring goes. That's a bold call, actually. I'm not sure. <laughs> not as confident as I as you on that one. Um, I can sense that maybe the Tigers and Titans could actually be more high scoring. Ooh, you think the Tigers' def- defense is just completely gone? They haven't looked good for a while now, and the Titans can score points. And it's, you know, Sunny Arbo footy. Uh, hopefully the, the weather's fine and they can throw, throw the ball around. Could be a, you know, pretty, pretty defence-light game. Well, let's have a bit of a talk <laughs> about that one. We've got Robbie Farrah and Embai back. Um, well, not really back. <laughs> the first first games for their club. Um, Fenua out with his broken arm with Nakama shifting into the centre and uh, Thompson moving from fullback to wing. Josh Reynolds returns at 5'8", with Gamble gone, um, and Elijah Taylor starting at lock, um, with Robbie Rocco dropping to the reserves, and Matt Eisenhuth and Siasu Su on the bench. Um, for the Titans... On the bench, <laughs> Yeah. Um, for the Titans, they've just got Jared Wallace returning from suspension at prop, and um, stop over the bench. Um, big, interesting uh, points here, Wilfred, is that one... Robbie Farrah and Embiid going straight into start. Um, so that's 
um, interesting that they're writing there straight away. And the other thing as well is that um, Embry could take the kicking off Masters, which would really, really annoy a lot of owners. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the percentages are pretty much identical. They're both so, you know, floating around 78%. So I don't know if it's going to be... It's going to be... Um, it's going to be a massive dampener on Masters um, as a keeper going forward if he loses that goal kicking. Um, I'm pretty worried about well, that. I'm actually not as... I mean, yes, I am, but at the same time, the Tigers haven't actually been you know, scoring that many points. Their attack is bottom four in the league at the moment, close to where the Bulldogs are. So, you know, how many... You know, I, I just don't think it. I think he's it, getting about it, um, seven points around about from goal kicking from memory, something like that. Yeah, um, and look, the, 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 with the way the settling is, I mean, if he loses six, seven points per week, that only drops him to 55, 56, so that's still top 10 right now. Yeah, um, it's still probably keeper. So you could easily just, you know, you're not going to, maybe he doesn't become an every week play. Which he is now, so uh, I think you know to to me jerk and sell him off the top of you know what's been discussed. I just think yeah, maybe you don't need to to to, to react that negatively. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's some good points. I'll um I'll try and think glass half full on him then. The other yeah, guy that sure. I'm um, ex- um, excited to watch actually is Jai Arrow in this game for Supercoach. She's been on a tear. You mentioned earlier he scored ninety points last time. Um, he played. It's it's becoming apparent that he's going to be a, one of those keepers of the future that you're just getting into your side every week, isn't it? Just wish he kicked goals, then he would be Corey Parker the second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be really nice. Someone needs to teach him how to kick. Um, <laughs> so after that one, we got uh, the rabbits versus the cows in the final game. Um, this one being played at Barlow Park in Cairns. Um, the last game that these guys played this season against each other, we had that Jake Granville brain snap where he went early off the line, if you remember, in the dying moments. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, you could hear the ref screaming at him, Jake, you're off, Jake, you're off, and he went and tackled anyway. And, um, yeah, lost in the game uh, with the penalty right in front. So this is going to be um, maybe closer than what some people think, perhaps, because that was 17, 16, I think, from memory. Um, with the changes for these sides, we've got the Burgess brothers um, all included after they played in Denver. Um, also, Campbell Graham coming in to replace Heimel Hunt on the wing, which sounds the only other change. Uh, Lock and Coots back for the Cows. Uh, Michael Morgan obviously gone for the season, which is a big blow for the Cowboys. Uh, yep. Winterstein is back. Um, after being dropped with Bowen back to the reserves, and Matt's got returning at prop with Sam Horn dropped out of the squad. So a bit of an interesting one. It's it's been played at Cairns. I'm going to be watching mainly for me, Wilfred, um, how um, JT responds after uh, not being part of that Origin loss, and whether he's going to ramp it up for the you know the final run of his career. Um, and the other thing is as well whether those Burgess boys are all actually going to play. Yep. I'd be surprised if they didn't, to be honest. I mean, the turnaround time, like I said, it's pretty much a full week. 
almost. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'd be surprised if the Cowboys are competitive this time. I've just got this feeling the Bunnies are going to smash them. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting one where I don't really know where the Cowboys are at. I haven't been able to pick it all year, so it, it could be that they just this is one of the weeks where they just lose their bundle and they get rolled for twenty four points or something. Um, it kind of has the feeling of that game about a month ago where um, Para played South and Para went up, yep. um, you know, twelve nil or something. And then it looked like it was going to be competitive and South were a bit lethargic and then South just rolled them and went up like yep. 40 to 12 and letting a couple of garbage jump tries at the end. Um, <laughs> and I think that that was the uh, the Robert Jennings um, try fest as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just think um, the, the, the Bunnies just have too much firepower and, and then, you know, as, as bad as Michael Morgan has been, I think the Cowboys need him right now. Yeah, what else? Everything else they've been trying just isn't working, so I think this could get ugly. Yeah, Jason Tomalolo in this one's been on a bit of a tear. Um, he's playing the last game, so he's an optimal uh, C if you want a late game VC and potential loop. Um, do you still see him rolling, or you reckon that the South Pack might stiffen him up a little bit? I, I just don't know. Like, can anyone really stop him if he's getting rolling? There's been so little examples of that in the last couple of years of people being able to effectively contain <clears throat> contain Tamalolo when he's gone into one of those moods and he's just running and running and running. <laughs> he looks fantastic yeah. on the weekend as well. Um, he's been playing 80 minutes the last three weeks. I think that's crazy, to be honest. And why burn yourself out when your season's gone? Why flog your best player, your million-dollar player, um, you know, playing such big minutes when your season's gone. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, this is going to be one of those other things too, which is a, a big watch is whether he plays 80 minutes again this week. And if he does, like we were saying a bit earlier in the pod, um, if we get post round 17, whether Tom Lolo's minutes drop way down to 50 or something minutes a game, um, that could be a real dampener on his value for the last sort of two months on the run home. Yeah, but definitely at that point, you've got no trades to get rid of him anyway, so yeah, could be worse. <laughs> could be worse. Well, Wilfred, thanks for jumping on. Um, it's been a long one, but we had a lot to talk about with the, the mega trade week with five trades and the buy coming up. But um, hopefully I um, I didn't we didn't muddy the waters on your trades that you were fixed on. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it's definitely good to talk through the various options. Um, I... I'll have to probably sleep on it <laughs> before I decide. The one thing I will just say is make sure you practice doing your trades and checking which trades have to be done when before which game because uh, that's I, I, I guarantee that's going to trip a whole lot of people up this weekend. Yeah, really good advice. Um, thanks for jumping on again. Good luck in round 17. Um, hopefully you jump into that top 100 after a couple of big weeks coming up. That'd be nice. Thanks for that. Good luck to you too. Thanks, mate. All right, guys, you can um, download us on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud and listen there. Um, also on Twitter, you can follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Um, and good luck with your trades as well out there. And hopefully everyone nails around 17. Um, and we'll see you again next week.